The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy All-Star break, everybody. Welcome back to the program. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation, and I am your host, Dan Vespris. Thanks so much for listening, folks. I know this is not going to be our most heavily trafficked set of episodes throughout the year, but you know what? We do episodes Monday through Friday, every damn week, all season long, and that will never change, regardless of how much is going on in the NBA world. Because look, let's be clear here. Even when games aren't happening, there are plenty of things to do in your fantasy leagues to get ready for the second half of the year, as evidenced by the fact that there's been, I don't okay, call it big news because the name is flying off the shelf, but I don't know that it necessarily should be. But take, for instance, the fact that over the All-Star weekend, Blake Griffin's buyout with the Pistons became official, and he has now agreed, I don't know if it's, uh, this, the papers are, are signed and the ink is dry yet, but Blake Griffin is set to be a member of the Brooklyn Nets. So we'll talk about that here in a little bit on the on the pod. Um, if I had thought about bringing that up a little bit later in the show and then thought, oh, why didn't anybody, why isn't he talking about Blake Griffin would be the, the main thing. And I'll tell you why, because I sort of don't care. Anyway, let me give you the the preview of today's show and then we'll dive on into things first of all you can follow me on twitter at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s many of you now have begun to finally pass along screenshots of your reviews and i think i know what was happening as we talk about this promotion we've been running on the podcast i'm going to keep it going through the all-star break here and then we'll probably draw a winner towards the end of this week early next at the absolute latest it's because when you guys write something funny or nice or whatever it is over on Apple, iTunes, whatever the hell they want to call the whole get up these days, which by the way, if you're looking for a place to do it, to rate and review the podcast, you can do the podcast app on your Apple branded mobile device or search, use the podcast tab in iTunes on a computer. You search for fantasy NBA today. If it's on a phone or tablet or whatever, you click on the show graphic and scroll to the bottom. If you're in iTunes, you click on the show title, and then there's a rate and review tab. So please do that, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But w- what I'm realizing is many of you guys rated and reviewed the show, you know, on like Wednesday of last week. But then Apple actually puts everything through a, uh, whatever you want to call it, like some sort of review process. And so a lot of them weren't showing up for two, three days after it was done. So if you did rate and review the podcast, make sure to look back at that podcast page to see when yours popped up or screenshot it as you're doing it because it's not going to jump up immediately. The reason you should do it is because we're going to draw a winner from anybody that enters the contest and there have been a, a good number of you now. So we'll we'll definitely have a winner. We're, we're up and over that threshold for sure. But we can actually make it a tiny bit bigger every time more people continue to do it do it on someone's phone, you know, whatever, if you've already done this thing two years ago. Uh, We got a cash prize to get you guys going over at mybookie.ag. I'll be funding your account personally here with actual real dollars from my own account and from HoopBall's account. So uh, go on over, do that, rate and review the podcast, get yourself involved in this sweet promotion and win some money. No purchase necessary. The whole thing takes you 75 seconds. 
I've been trying to keep an eye on uh, spam folders in the HoopBall uh, submission spot because you can submit your screenshot to me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com with the subject line podcast rating. That's the way I can hunt that thing down in a, in a spam folder that catches all sorts of weird stuff from uh, countries all over the globe. There's a lot of weird bots out there, folks. You may not know this, and I didn't until I started looking at a support email folder, but there is all sorts of weird crap that if you have an email address that's uh, available just sitting on the internet, woof, you get some serious dump. Here's what's coming up on today's podcast. We're going to talk Blake Griffin at the beginning, but that won't take very long because it's going to be a discussion that's like, do I care? And the answer is no. But we'll dig into it a tiny bit more than that. And then I wanted to make today's show a stash of palooza. We got into it a little bit on Friday's show where I talked about some of the, uh, the ads for right out of the All-Star break. But I want to talk about all of the injured guys that I've seen dropped. And this is like, you know, name injured guys. So I didn't put Cody Zeller on the list because we know how his stuff goes. He gets good, he gets hurt, he gets good, he gets hurt. That one's, he didn't make the list. But the list is something like a dozen names long. I think it might even be, is it 13? I think I've got 13 names here. Of guys in my fairly competitive leagues that I have seen hit waiver wires at one point or another over the last two months. So that's the criteria I dropped it in. It's possible that your leagues, you might have one or two guys that I didn't say on here. And it's possible that you're in a league where none of these guys showed up on your wire. But somewhere in this list, you're probably going to fall. And that's the main topic on today's show because we don't have games to recap. All-Star Weekend was fine. I I tweeted it, but I'll say it here on the podcast. I didn't really think any of this stuff needed to happen, but once it was happening, I tried to catch what I could. Uh, Three-point contest is easily my favorite part of the the weekend festivities now, and they jammed it all into the same day. With the dunk contest happening during halftime of the actual game, of course, game happening near dinner time, I'm never going to be able to catch that with, with family stuff going on. But I did get the the, the three-point contest, and Steph Curry is insane. Um, our guy Julius Randle got wiped out in the very boring skills competition, but we did have a, a couple of dollars on Steph, and so that at least kind of made up for the losses on the other stuff. But who cares? Uh, All-Star Game was a big fat who cares this year. No fans to cheer it on. Um, obviously, some very good basketball players, and it's kind of fun. I like the new format for the game, but I don't know, man. Like, this is... The work I do over All-Star Weekend on basketball stuff is generally, in advance, I try to handicap the three contests and see if we can maybe catch a quarter of a unit profit on that stuff. And then, ready myself... For this second half of, well, this year it's the actual second half of the season. Most years it's like the last 35% of the season of fantasy stuff. So that's where I'm going to make my real money. I got a bunch of money on fantasy leagues. I got much smaller amounts on actual all-star festivities. So we're diving into it right now. Blake Griffin, the buyout was pretty much done by the end of last week. The rumor had been he was going to sign with the Nets, and now I believe that it's mostly done, even if it's not all the way done. And it's a big fat who cares, because when Blake Griffin was shut down in Detroit, we've already had a week, week and a half of kind of knowing what the Pistons are going to look like without Blake playing, and it's a lot more Sadiq Bey. Uh, Got a question in our 
I think it was either on Twitter or in our, our premium Discord, just about what it does for someone like an Isaiah Stewart. And the answer is not all that much because his time more or less rests on whether or not Mason Plumley is seeing decent minutes, and he still is right now. I think there's... And this is a tough balance to strike on a young, rebuilding team. You can't just throw five young guys out on the floor at the same time and expect anyone to actually improve. There is a marked value in having any kind of veteran presence on the basketball court to just sort of keep guys pointed in the right direction. You see it in Oklahoma City. Uh, Shea is a young guy, but he's you know he's played under Chris Paul. He's a couple years in the NBA now, so he's not so raw where he can't sort of impart wisdom to some of the other guys on that team. But also, having Chris Paul last year was a big deal. Having Al Horford out there most of the time this year has been a big deal. We've seen teams that have just abandoned all veterans, and it is a free-for-all of garbage. The uh, the Suns did it briefly a few years back, where they were just like, whatever, throw a bunch of chuckers out there. We don't care if the pieces fit. We don't care if anybody is steering the ship. And it was a disaster. It happens. The Cavs have done it in not that uh, recent history. It goes poorly, and players don't often get better. Sure, they play a lot, and they start to sort of understand NBA speed, but that would happen kind of whether or not they were in a, a meaningful game at any point. That that stuff just sort of happens over time. Just playing minutes for the sake of playing minutes is not the same as player development. So, cycling back around to the Pistons, I think the feeling we get, at least from watching them a lot, is that Dwayne Casey wants some stabilizing forces on the court, whether it was Blake Griffin for a couple of ball games, Mason Plumlee has been stabilizing, Delon Wright has been stabilizing, although he's not he's not a guy that you're just like, oh, all he's good for is, is being a veteran for younger guys. It's kind of the same story with Mason Plumlee. These guys still have a little bit of uptick, or at least they're kind of in the middle part of their NBA career. These aren't winding down guys. So then you can throw out Presumably when he comes back, we'll see a bunch of Killian Hayes, and you can throw out Sadiq Bey, and maybe, maybe as the season goes on, you see more intermittent rest days for a Mason Plumlee. So I don't think they need to just give Isaiah Stewart 35 minutes of ballgame either. Like, him playing 22 backup minutes is a pretty reasonable way for him to learn the NBA. So the short answer to the what does Blake Griffin mean the, the him actually being gone mean is still nothing. I don't know that anything changes really for Detroit out of the All-Star break. All we're paying attention to with the Pistons is, and this is a pretty good segue into my Stashapalooza episode, DeLon Wright. We haven't gotten any info on almost any Stash players to this point. We're still fully in All-Star break mode where none of the teams have given an update on how their guys are doing. When DeLon Wright went down, they basically said, we're going to reevaluate in about two weeks and and see how it goes. Uh, he was about one week into his two weeks, and he was doing shooting drills, but that's kind of a far cry from actual cutting on a, a, a light groin strain, which is what he was working with. That type of stuff can linger. As of this moment, 
March the 8th, Detroit, by the way, plays uh, their first game out of the break on Thursday of this week. So they still have three more days off. Thursday will be, let's see, he got injured in a game on the 19th of February. So that was a Friday. So Thursday will be just shy of three weeks. So we should have already gotten an update on DeLon Wright, but likely he was just sort of gone, and so nobody said anything. There's a real chance he plays in their first game out of the break. There's also, I call it 50-50, a very real chance that he's not back yet. I actually don't care. Either way, and I think we talked about him on Friday, either way, he's a guy that I think you need to add immediately. Immediately. Do not hesitate on this one. This is a guy who I know on the season is ranked 71 in 9-cat on a per-game basis. But remember, the first month of the year, he was in and out of the lineup. It was like 12 minutes, 22, sometimes in the high 20s, then back to 15. Over the last month prior to his injury, he was playing full 32-plus starters minutes per game and was a third-round value. Third. Top, inside the top 36 is what I'm telling you right now. Over the 10 games he played prior to the groin injury, which is more or less a month, he had a couple of bad free-throw shooting games in there. He was inside the fifth round. So this is a guy who, when he's playing starters minutes, the third round stuff was probably a little bit overinflated by, he's shooting like 57, 58% over that stretch. He's going to be near 50% because he doesn't take many threes. A lot of his stuff is near the rim as a point guard. Rebounds well for a point guard. Assists fine for a point guard. Passes fine. Big time steals numbers. Has always been the deal with DeLon Wright. This is a guy who I saw floating out on waivers in multiple spots who as a starter is a fifth five-round guy. I just find it fascinating the types of players that people are willing to drop. I mean, he's, he's right on the edge of the sixth round for the season, and that's what that slow start factored in. You know who some of the other guys are that are in the fifth round on the year? Tell me if any of these guys would get dropped. Uh, DeJounte Murray, John Collins, Demonis Sabonis, OG Ananobi, DeAndre Hunter, who did get dropped, but we'll talk about him in a minute because, you know, he was set to miss two and a half months. Jalen Brown, he's outside the top 50 now, by the way. Jared Allen, Mike Conley, Mikael Bridges, Ben Simmons. These are guys that are ranked in the fifth round zone. Which brings us to our, by the way, uh, to finish up on the DeLon Wright thing, you know, e- even when you factor in the slow start, he's still at 11, 4.5, and, and 5 on the year with about two defensive stats. If you remove the slow start, he's at about 13, 5, and 5.5 five and with over 2, about 2.2, 2.3 combined defensive stats. Huge, huge contributor. Like, legit difference maker that got dropped. And another one, and, and this one also we talked about on Friday, but I figure we might as well just sort of deep dive him a little bit further. Another one... That, I, that blew my mind was Larry Nance Jr. Larry Nance is number 56 on a per-game basis on the year before his... And with DeLon Wright, it's a groin thing, which at least you could make the argument, Dan, that, could, that stuff could linger. You could be squatting on him for weeks, and he might not ever get fully healthy again. 
Larry Nance is dealing with a hand thing. This stuff was a, a very predictable recovery. He could keep his conditioning. There's nothing to say, like, you got to work him back slowly. Maybe they give him back-to-backs off in case he gets sore or gets bumped in the middle of a ball game or something like that. But you're talking about number 56. Again, a fifth rounder. And the prognosis on Nance wasn't even all that bad. His was, uh, I believe it was four to six weeks when he went down. So let's play the same game we just did with DeLon Wright. Larry Nance Jr., fifth round pick on the year right now in terms of value. Nine points, seven rebounds, three assists, which is really nice from a center. Two steals. One of the top guys in the league in steals. Half a block, 48% shooting, 1.3 three-pointers per game. Also something you sort of weren't getting out of Nance in seasons past. He's on the block, supposedly. We've heard a lot of rumors. Uh, Still three years left on his deal, which if somebody takes him on, that means they're going to play him. Which so that's kind of nice. So if you're worried, like the he interest was coming in from the Wolves, if they got him, they'd play him. He'd just be their power forward. If the Mavs got him, he would just be their power forward. The Heat, he would be their power forward. We just displace a guy like Kelly Olynyk. There's some places he could end up where he wouldn't see full starters minutes, but there are quite a few places that if they went, if they went and they got him with three years left on his deal. The plan is to play him. Almost two weeks ago, he was already doing shooting work on the court. So I think Larry Nance probably plays in the Cavs' next ball game, coming out of the break. And he was a guy I saw dropped in many spots. By the way, they don't play until Friday of this week. So very real chance we get an update like Wednesday that says that Nance is ready to come back. They start on the road down in, uh, in New Orleans on Friday. People are adding him back now. Um, you know, his roster, his ownership number has been on the rise over the last couple of days because I think people have been waiting to pick him up until after the All-Star break. He should have been picked up weeks ago. Like, this is a guy that should have been squatted on for probably the entirety of his injury because fifth-rounders don't grow on trees, and he wasn't out that long. People were so willing to drop this guy. You know who I didn't see dropped anywhere was Lowry Markinen. Lowry Markinen is having, by all accounts, a percentages career year. I don't know if that was actually going to keep up all season long. And even with that, he was barely inside the sixth round. No one dropped him anywhere. I didn't see Lowry Markinen at a single waiver wire, but Larry Nance and DeLon Wright it, repeatedly in all of them. And the timeline for these guys was generally pretty similar. In fact, DeLon Wright's timeline was the shortest of the three. And then Markinen probably the second shortest, at least by the what they were putting out on him. And then Nance was about tied with that, maybe a hair longer. It was all quite close with uh, DeLon being just the two-week reevaluation thing. DeLon Wright is actually ranked one slot in front of Markinen. And he was dropped in a bunch of spots. And Markinen... Nowhere. So I, I don't, sometimes I don't really understand. And fine. Like, I'm not going by uh, roster percentage. I don't care about that number. Because I understand there's a lot of points leagues out there where a guy like Larry Nance Jr. is just less valuable in a points league. But these guys all have turnovers in the ones. So tell me it's 8-cat or 9-cat. I don't really care. If you're in a category league, Nance, 
was doing better than DeLon Wright, who was doing better than Larry Markkinen. And yet, the two guys that I saw dropped everywhere were the two guys that were doing the best out of those three. So I get it. Markkinen was scoring 19 points a game with three three-pointers. I know that's what everybody gloms onto, but he pretty much lost every other category to those other dudes. Nine categories, guys. you got to be good in more than two of them. And let's give Markin credit. His field goal percent was quite good this year. That was an unexpected boost. We knew his free throw percent was going to be good. Points, threes. Honestly, I was hoping for more rebounds than six, and who knows, maybe that would have trended up had he played the last, whatever it is, four-ish weeks, something like that. I think that's what we're sitting on going into the break on him. Um, but, like, he's only out-rebounding DeLon Wright by about one per game over the last 10 to 15 ball games. By the way, if Markkinen is on your waiver wire, he's another guy you pick up immediately. This stuff is pretty easy to decipher. So I expect DeLon Wright back within the next two weeks. Maybe we get lucky and he's back in a couple of days. I expect Larry Nance back by the end of this week. That's my guess on that one. And all of this is reading tea leaves a little bit. And so we'll use that to segue to Nance's teammate, Kevin Love, who I am way less interested in stashing. Kevin Love has not been able to stay healthy for a long time, actually. He played in, what, a couple of ball games this year? Two, I think, before they shut him down. He didn't make it into the new year before his season ended. He played 22 games two years back. He played 56 last year, which I think we can probably call a win at this point. And uh, this year, we'll be lucky if we get him to 30. He tried to make his return. Sounded like there was some soreness in his calf. So they held him back out again. I don't know what the hell's going on there. And even when they do bring him back, it's going to be kid glove central with this dude. I do not expect him to see more than 28 minutes of ball game this year. If he gets to that mark, that would probably be considered a victory. Uh, and if he gets to that mark, you can expect something in the neighborhood of about, oh, I'd call it 16 points and maybe eight to nine rebounds because he is still a very good rebounder. No steals, no blocks. Maybe he gets a few assists because they'll run some offense through him two-and-a-half, three-pointers, he'll still be in 27, 28 minutes. He, he would be a, inside the top 100. So he's a guy you, you'd want to stash at that point. But he's a guy I'm actually waiting for any good news on before I pick him up. He's not a guy that you can afford to just sit on indefinitely because even when he does come back, he's not going to have the kind of impact that Wright and Nance were having. Another guy that falls into that header is Aaron Gordon. Who I admit, I was a little bit higher on this year. After what we saw after the All-Star break last season, I thought that this might be a year that Gordon turned a little bit of a corner. In fact, he quite went the opposite direction. His percentages are as bad as they've ever been across the board. And he's outside the top 200 on the league in nine category leagues. But there's a couple of different things to look at with Gordon. First... Uh, lowest scoring season for him right now since 2016. Not a huge concern of mine because the usage is um, similar to previous years. It's just ending in a shot less frequently than previous seasons. He's been trending up in passing while trending down in shooting. He's a guy that could get near one steal on one block a ball game. He's not all that far away from that mark this year and 
he was dealing with uh, hamstring stuff prior to the ankle injury, so he was sort of in a slow ramp-up mode. So when you look at the 29 minutes of ballgame, that's probably not indicative of where they wanted to have him. Still, it's going to be awfully hard now after missing a bunch of time and whenever he does come back, which really it might actually be this next game after the All-Star break. He's on the trade block too. I don't think you have to worry about that. Anybody that trades for him is going to use him a lot. What you should be worried about is if he gets healthy, is Orlando going to risk playing him 32 minutes a ball game if they're trying to move him? Will they ramp him up slowly? If so, how slow? Is it going to be 16, then 18, then 20, then 22? Or is it going to be like 16, 24, 28, and he's ready to go in a week? We don't know. What we do know is that additional games of low minute total is going to depress his season average of minute totals. And what we also know is that he's having his worst free throw shooting year in his career at 61%. And he's having his worst field goal shooting year of his career at 43%. Despite actually having a decent three-point shooting season, he's just taking more of them and he's not getting to the bucket as much as he used to, which is weird because, I mean, I guess he is getting in there. Uh, He's just not converting at the same rate. And the free throw shooting being a bummer was already kind of a problem for him. The hope was that maybe he was going to get his head straight and shoot in the low to mid 70s, so at least it wasn't such a bear. But 61% at 4.2 free throws a game, that's been bad too. He's a guy that does have upside. Should he turn it around, it would be sort of annoying if we didn't have him for that potential turnaround. So that's where the internal struggle comes. By the way, the Wolves have been linked to uh, Aaron Gordon as well. His massive ankle sprain happened at the beginning of February. So you're now five weeks into a four- to six-week timetable, meaning he's probably going to be back in the next one to two weeks, even if he's running on the late side, unless they DNP him while potentially trying to move the kid. But I don't know that you can operate on that assumption. So... Would I stash Aaron Gordon? Probably. But am I going out of my way to do it? The answer is no. He's very much in that Kevin Love bucket of I'm I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna do extra to go get this guy. A uh, couple three guys that all to me fall into relatively similar buckets, and I'm gonna transition over to those dudes are DeAndre Hunter, TJ Warren, and then to a lesser extent, Karis Levert. We've been given very vague timetables on these three guys. With Warren, we have no idea. With DeAndre Hunter, we were told he did not need to get the platelet-rich plasma therapy, which means his return could come about a week earlier than expected, but expected had a pretty wide variance as well. Remember, he was given a 7- to 10-week timetable. It's about like they could almost a month, basically, of when when he might actually happen. Uh, He's said to be reevaluated on March the 19th, which is 11 days from today. At that point, I don't know. Like, what are we we expecting to learn from uh, a DeAndre Hunter reevaluation? He was injured... When the hell was DeAndre Hunter's last ball game? Now we got we to gotta go to the player page here, live on the podcast. Sit tight while Dan pulls up the DeAndre Hunter player page. His last game came on January the 29th. That's where he got hurt, uh, or where it flared up, I guess. And, you know, for, effectively, we can just call that 
missed the entire month of February, a couple games after that, one, two, three, four, five. He's five weeks into a seven to ten week timetable. March 19th would be the seven-week mark of that. Even if they got him back shortly after that, this is a big deal and a big surgery. So let's say best-case scenario, he's back for the next Hawks game after March the 19th. It's still going to be one to two-week additional for him to ramp up towards normal game speed. So you're probably looking at April 1st with him going full tilt as probably a best-case scenario. That's still three and a half weeks away. That's a tough stash unless you're riding very high. I would rather stash Karis LeVert, who doesn't exactly have a similar stat set, but the expectation there with him is that he should be back at some point in March. He's coming off of a surgery to remove a mass on his kidney, which is a little bit different. Like, you can't do certain weight-bearing exercises. Those conditioning's going to be completely out of whack. But there is a slight positive in that it's not... Nothing that he uses for basketball was directly impacted. His knees are fine, his ankles are fine, his groin is fine, all that stuff. Uh, the only worry there is that as he ramps back up in conditioning, then does something kind of go haywire. The other concern with uh, Levert is what does his role look like with the Pacers? He played 12 games... Before he got traded this year at 18.5 points, four boards, six assists, a steal, half a block, about two three-pointers. Percentage is not good, and they're probably not getting any better. And he was just inside the top 90 on those numbers, about 28 minutes of ball game. I think the Pacers probably have him playing over 30 at full speed, and uh, 17 shots a game might be tough to get to with Brogdon... Demonis Sabonis next to you. Uh, I guess it's doable. Because Miles Turner doesn't take that many shots, and Justin Holliday doesn't take many shots. And if TJ Warren is still out for a while, then that's a usage guy that you can take off the table. Uh, but Karis Levert, he's uh he's kind of in a similar tier to Hunter. And then Warren is probably I I, I should have been more clear. He's a guy you can separate a little bit because we have no idea when he's coming back, and you're looking at maybe the fantasy playoffs. I think you can probably skip stashing TJ Warren. Maybe one of the things we should talk about is when I would stash all these guys, and we'll do a roundup on that at the end of the podcast. Uh, next guy on the list is another one that I'm not stashing, and that's Otto Porter Jr., who that's he's come up in a number of discussions lately as a trade candidate for the Bulls or maybe even a buyout because other teams seemingly think he's not as hurt as the Bulls are claiming he is, and they can probably funnel that information to other teams behind the scenes. There aren't that many places that Porter goes where he ends up with enough playing time or usage to have fantasy value, at least in terms of, like, no one's going to mortgage the farm for a guy that's been beat up, hasn't really played legit basketball in about two seasons other than a couple of weeks at the beginning of this year, has a bad back, has a bad hip, He's probably hunting for a contender, and he's probably hunting for 23, 24 minutes, which isn't enough. So don't stash Otto Porter Jr. A couple of guys that uh, I think are flying under the radar a little bit right now uh, are Devontae Graham and Derek White, but I have different feelings on each of them. Devontae Graham, people have been really holding on to him. I think we've seen more Devontae Graham uh, clutching than Larry Nance. 
And maybe the thought was that Graham might be back a little bit sooner, so that probably plays at least some part of a role in that. But Devontae, he was never a guy that we targeted this year. He's number 153 in nine category leagues on the season, depending on where what rankings you're looking at. He could be as high as about 140. Either way, he's been bad. 35% medium to high volume guy. Even the free throw number's down. He's points, threes, and assists. He's very much a points league kind of guy or a punt field goal percent guy. That changes things pretty dramatically with him if you if you take out his colossal field goal percent anchor. But he's not a guy that I'm all that interested in outside of very specific team builds. So no, don't care too much about that. If you have him on your team, you've probably built a team around him at this point, so you can kind of hang on, but not a guy I'm targeting in the stash. D'Angelo Russell, I actually saw get dropped in a couple of spots, and it's not as insane as it sounds because he's been outside the top 100 uh, on the season to this point in pretty much any format you're looking at. He has not been very good. Uh, Russell, 19 points, five assists, a steal, a bad field goal percent, bad free throw percent, two and a half threes is fine, but he hasn't done enough in the other stuff to make up for it. He is a guy that I would stash. Uh, prognosis with him is probably later on this month. I would put him somewhere in that Karis Levert neck of the woods, like maybe back in about, call it uh, two weeks, March 22nd to March 28th window would be where I'm looking at for him. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic is on my list. I I don't think he's available anywhere at this point. Like, this is a guy that has top 25 upside. So if he was dropped, he should have been stashed for a good month before coming back. And two other names. One of them I think has probably not been dropped all that often is Marcus Smart. I saw him pop up on one of my competitive leagues, but um, that was a, a... Somewhat of a surprise. And Derek White is another one I've seen pop up because it's been a bumpy road for him this year. Uh, Derek White is number 112 in about 24 minutes of ballgame because, you know, he's coming back from injury at the beginning of the year. And so his minutes had to ramp up and he was just getting there and then the COVID stuff. And so when he comes back from this, there'll probably be another ramp up. He strikes me as a, as almost like a buy low type of candidate where he's outside the top 110, but all of his numbers are screaming upside. He's shooting 40% on the year. That's not going to hold. That's going up. 73% at the foul line. That's going up. 24 minutes. That's going up. Everything will go up. This is the absolute floor for Derek White. So if, if you have someone in like, the 95 range that you're willing to part with for Derek White, I think I would do it. Here's a crazy one. And this trio, like, you would get him in a heartbeat if you offered Colin Sexton for Derek White. Every single fantasy owner on the planet would take Sexton over White right now. But I think that's a brilliant buy low. Why wouldn't I do it? Well, I think you could probably get him for less. I think you get Derek White for, like, Evan Fournier or Brooke Lopez, or Mason Plumlee, or someone in the, someone like a half round later than Colin Sexton. There's a lot of name power with Sexton, and he's scoring 24 points a game. He's basically the highest scoring player outside the top 95. I think he might actually be the highest scoring player outside the top 95 in fantasy this year. So that that's going to, that's going to come with it a, a pretty big, Power. You could probably trade Colin Sexton for someone ranked in front of him because he's scoring 24 points a ball game. 
you could probably trade like a PJ Washington for Derek White. I'd probably would do that. And he's ranked a good 20 slots in front of him. You might even be able to trade someone behind Derek White and still get him. Not many. Maybe like a Seth Curry. Andrew Wiggins might get it done. Keldon Johnson might get it done. I would buy hard on Derek White. And that's why I saved him for the end of this stash discussion. Because that is, I believe, the 13th name on our list. He's someone that maybe he got dropped. Maybe he didn't. Let's say he's still on a team and someone's getting holding and getting a little frustrated. Go try, to, go try to pry him loose. That's your target for this All-Star break. See if you guys can go get Derek White. And if you have a question on it, uh, I would say to hit me up on Twitter, but I who knows? I might or might not see it these days. I'm bouncing from thing to thing. If you're in our premium service, you can get me in our Discord, and I can help you out with a Derek White trade because I think there's a lot there. If you got Terrence Ross, see if you can get Derek White for him. Serge Ibaka, these guys are all ranked pretty close to him. Kevin Herter, I bet you could get him for Herter. People think Herter's done more this year than he actually has. Maybe a better way to frame this is who ranked near or just above Derek White would I not trade for Derek White? I think Buddy Heald has still sort of nowhere to go but up or stay put, I suppose, is another possibility there. Uh, I would not give away Kelly Oubre for Derek White or Drummond or Brandon Clark. I would probably trade the Time Lord. Definitely would trade Jeremy Lamb. This one surprised the hell out of me. Am I looking at something wrong here? Like, am I... Is Jonas Valanciunas really ranked in the 80s right now? That doesn't seem right. What am I looking at? I've got to be on the wrong page, right? No, he is. He's really ranked in the 80s. That's... Wow, that boggles the mind. I had no idea he was that low. Something catches you by surprise. I'm Now you caught me in a thing here. I'm probably going to tweet about it. Uh, so again, let's go through these names real fast, and um, before we do, before I give you my stashing timeline on all 13 names we talked about today, it's Monday, which means it's Manscaped Monday. Go check out our buddies over at manscaped.com and use promo code HOOPBALL to get 20% off and free shipping on your manscaped.com order. What do they got going on over there? Well, I'm glad you asked, everybody. They have the Lawnmower 3.0. With a built-in LED light, it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower if you want to get cleaned up in there and then wash the hairs, watch them swirl down the drain. 90-minute battery life, pinch-free technology, as is the case with all of Manscaped's grooming products. And it's just a great, it's a great piece of equipment. I've said this before. They've, they've mastered the very few things that they do, which if more companies could take that approach... I wish they would. I think that, unfortunately, a lot of companies don't have... They can't make enough money selling a couple of things. You have to be so good at it, and your marketing has to be so smart, and, you know, between the product, the price, the marketing, all that stuff has to come together in this beautiful matrimony. And that's what Manscaped has done. They've made a great product. They have wonderful marketing, just a great team to work with. And that's why we've continued to partner with them. Manscaped.com. Again, promo code is HoopBall20. This is also, and I don't want you guys, like, no giggling, guys. Come on, we're all adults here. This is actually Testicular Cancer Awareness Month with Manscaped as well. So a a portion of the proceeds over at Manscaped will be donated for research into uh, cancer. So good company, good product, good deal. I believe they're partnering with the Testicular Cancer Society. It's the group that they're, we're working with on that. So just 
Uh, just a great group to work with, guys. Check them out, manscaped.com. Hover over the products tab and just check out some of the good stuff they got going on. And if you get something, use promo code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping. Now, now, here is my unofficial official list of when I'm stashing the 13 players we talked about on today's podcast. And it's not going to be in the order I talked about them because as I was talking about them, I moved them around on my list so I knew which ones I'd already covered. Uh, But it'll be close. Delon Wright, now. Larry Nance Jr., now. Kevin Love, when we get an update. I need a good update on Kevin Love before I even consider stashing him. If we do get an update, that's a good one. Then, yeah, you race out. Aaron Gordon, same story, because I think they might be DNPing him a little bit. Although it's also possible that on Wednesday we get word that he's playing. And in, in that case, you probably do pick him up if he hit your waiver wire. He is a dramatically underdropped player, considering he just missed, he's at, what, four weeks of missed games and he was outside the top 200. And I'm guilty of that in one spot. Derek White, buy, buy now, buy low, buy now, buy low. DeAndre Hunter, mm, this is one where if you are in, if you're in a Roto Games Cap format, I think you pick him up now. If you're in a head-to-head league with unlimited games, you can really only afford to pick him up if you're top two. I don't think you stash him if you're outside the top two. Or if you're like dangling right on the bubble and you realize that the team as it's constructed, you're not going to win the league. So you're like, all right, I got to make a, I got to do something wild. I got to get some, I got to find some top 60 guys somewhere because uh, otherwise I'm not going to win. So then you just stream like crazy and you end up stashing those guys. But if you're in like fourth place and you've got a, maybe a shot to win the league, uh, how to, but, but also if you pick up someone and put up some zeros, you risk falling out, then that's not a spot where you do it. Um, Karis Levert. I would argue pretty much the same as DeAndre Hunter. There's no guarantee he's inside the top 100 with Indiana. TJ Warren, you're waiting. Otto Porter, not interested. Devontae Graham, not interested. Yusuf Nurkic, should he be available? That's obviously now. Marcus Smart and D'Angelo Russell. Also, I think I would put those guys in the now department because those two dudes both have the ability to go top 50 in nine category formats. Uh, And with Russell... You know, the hope is that if he's now healthy, then all of the weird stuff that was going wrong with his game, you can pin on injury stuff. And I think that was the whole list. Did I hit all 13? I believe so. Oh, and Blake Griffin rounding back to a non-stash thing, because he probably was dropped in a bunch of your leagues. Nope! Pass. Pass. Don't care. Don't care. Reminder, once again, rate and review the podcast. Get yourself involved in our win a few bucks. Rate the podcast promotion. Should be a lot of fun. Again, tweet the screenshot to me at Dan Bespris. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Or email it to teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Coming up in the next couple of days here on the podcast, we do still have... Uh, what, tomorrow, no games tomorrow, games, two games on Wednesday night. So basically the next two podcasts are going to be heavily all-star breaky because what are we going to do? On Wednesday, we're going to do a two-game preview. How long? That's going to take 90 seconds. We're going to be discussing second-half scheduling quirks on one of our next two shows. And then, and I'll probably do this on Wednesday, Wednesday's going to be a buy-low, sell-high day on the pod. 
So I'll have a little fun with that stuff without the normal daily grind. And then on Thursday, we'll get back to uh, a little more what's going on. I also believe, by the way, that I have these plans for the podcast, but there's going to be a ton of injury news coming out over the next two days, and we'll probably end up spending 10 to 15 minutes on that in each of the next probably three podcasts here this week on Fantasy NBA Today. Love you guys. Thanks for listening. As always, I am Dan Bespris. Have a wonderful All-Star Break Monday. And if you need anything else from me, catch me on the social media. Please, by the way, sign up for a premium thing at HoopBall. Got to get you guys into our Discord. It's great out there. All right, later. This has been a HoopBall presentation.